So as I always like to ask, whenever we are doing an actor episode, got to ask, what do you think Brendan Fraser's superpower is? Oh, man. It's got to be something involving, like, man-child naivete charm. Like, he's got such a charm about him. And he can deliver, he can deliver stuff like no one else can. His delivery is just, it's so finely calibrated to, to man child. Um, I don't know. What do you think? So you think he is the perfect man child. I just think he's so gosh darn sweet. I mean, I guess another, he's, another, yeah. another word for man child would be himbo. And that's kind of the lane that he was in in the 90s and into the thousands. I mean, how many cave people or people who haven't been exposed to society can you play between Encino Man, George of the Jungle, George Blast of the Jungle, from the yeah. Past guy? Right. <laughs> uh, he um, always plays characters and then a few of his riffs in Bedazzled had to do with being right. a dumb jock. He's just a, a sweet little cinnamon roll himbo. No, yeah, both of these movies have a very wholesome approach to them, which makes them pretty unique in in like how he's able to pull it off. Like I I really don't know. It, and I, does I he ever? <laughs> I can't think of anyone else to be in these movies. Like, I really can't. Yeah, he's... Brendan Fraser is irreplaceable. Yeah. That's his superpower. He's precious and irreplaceable. All right, let's get into the wholesome content. Let's go, Brandon! is necromancer necromancer my name is shira and i am a fan of romantic comedies and also the mummy from 1999 and my name is brett i am a fan of horror movies and also the mummy from 1999 it is the perfect marriage between our two genres i think that movie in particular now blast from the past straight up rom-com with some right. kind of horror-ish elements that we'll get into some um, jokingly horror-ish elements yeah, yeah yeah but it's like if you i feel like blast from the past has more refrigerator moments where you're like this is actually terrible <laughs> right like Christopher Walken imprisoned Sissy Spacek for 35 years and then never told her the truth. So if that's not horror, I mean, I don't know what it yeah, is. It's no. some, that's some, uh, what is it, Cloverfield Lane shit? Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, we definitely could have, <laughs> uh, we could have saved Blast from the Past for a Bunker episode. We'll, we'll have to that's find true. another Bunker romantic comedy movie. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I mean, there's plenty of apocalyptic romances that we can draw from. 
Um, but, but yeah, oh my God. So anyway, each week here at Necromancer, if I haven't said this already, I pick a rom-com, Brett picks a horror movie. All this, although I would say that this time the genders are, are genders. Mm -hmm. Genders are blurred because it's 2022, but also the genres are blurred in this case. Uh, and and normally I'd pick a rom-com, Brett would pick a horror movie, and then we would flip-flop those movies around. We would turn the horror into a rom-com and the rom-com into a horror. This time our topic is Brendan Fraser, king of every genre as far as I'm concerned. So it's all like, at once. Like all at once. So I would <laughs> say that this might be one of our most challenging episodes yet but also the most delightful because it's Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. What else can we say about the absolute delight, Mr. Fraser? Well, I think it's interesting how, like how he kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Like, I mean, so oh, yeah. Tell so us I'm the looking- lore. I'm t- I'm looking at his his uh, IMDb right now, right? The Legend so of Brendan. Yeah, ninety two is Encino Man. He also had a little bit part in School Ties, which is like a, a movie that I had famous see people. I want to School Ties. It. So right. I've never seen this movie, but apparently Brendan Fraser is Jewish, but nobody knows he's Jewish, and then they find out and get all anti-Semitic about it. It feels very personal. So I don't know. I I would be into it. Right. But yeah, I mean, he was in Airheads, great in Airheads, right? Excellent. But then he's in a bunch of like little things, weird things. But then all of a sudden, he's Mrs. In, Winterborn. That's another one I want to see. Like, yeah, he's in Blast from the Past and The Mummy. Both come out essentially in '99. And oh, it, these are both '99 Brendan movies. Yeah, and it just. It's great. Like, I just, I don't think of Brendan Fraser as being like as big as someone like Jim Carrey. But yet, the moment you go, but I know, but the moment you go see The Mummy, you could, all you could think about was like, yeah, this guy's got it. Whatever it is, this guy's got it. He had the confidence to pull off a part like The Mummy. Floppy hair to rival JTT. Yeah, he cut his chops on comedies before, but like I, I don't know, man. There was just something about his performance in The Mummy that really, it just tickled me so much. I think his performance in both movies is a plus. And then you know, previously for our devil themed episodes, we watched him in Bedazzled. Yeah, and he was great there. Uh, in basically a series of episodes where he gets to play a different hijinksy character. Uh, I would also say another talent Brendan Fraser has, at least in his early films, is he's so great at the physical aspect, at, at the action required of him in The Mummy, and then yeah. also physical comedy as well. Uh He's a very physical actor, but not in the same way you brought up Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey has um, very ADHD energy, emphasis on the H. Uh, And Brendan Fraser, is his motor's a little slower than that, but he's very graceful. 
I would, yeah, I would say Brendan Fraser seems like the kind of actor who would be a dream to direct because all you would have to do is tell him what you want and then he's just going to elevate it to better. Like Encino Man is a dumb role. He's a caveman who who is in L.A. in, in the 90s. But he and makes he's it playing funny. against Polly Shore. Polly Shore has top yeah. billing at this point. But Airheads, like Airheads, he's 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 up with Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler, but he fits right in. You know, George of the Jungle, he's playing a cartoon version of this, you know, this Mr. Magoo, George of the Jungle, silly old cartoon, but oh, modern that, day. I watched that movie in theaters when I was a kid and I felt yeah. for George. He put some emotion in the role. Right. And I mean, I don't know how I would feel about George of the Jungle now. I don't know if it holds up, but yeah, I definitely it, it felt for him. As an earnest child watching that movie. I think maybe yeah. that's another reason why millennials are so obsessed with Brendan Fraser is because he reminds us of a more innocent time. Could be, could be. But um, and he but also yeah. projects he projects innocence in a lot of his roles. Yeah, he's very polite. He's very innocent. He's very likable. He's very charming. And just yeah, like, I mean, he takes every scene and just he does exactly what's needed of him. And it seems like he's genuinely having fun in every single shot of the movie. You know what I mean? Like whether the camera's focused on him or not, he's just having a blast making movies. Right. And I think that he does a good job of making the actresses opposite him have fun too. Like oh, yeah. I think that Alicia Silverstone can lead a movie on her own like Clueless, but you know, Cher isn't meant to necessarily be a fun character. She's more or less uptight. And then in Blast from the Past, as Eve, he kind of teases her out of her grumpy shell. And similarly with Rachel Wise, you know, she's this uptight librarian and he brings out her fun side. So yeah. I think he, he does a really good job of bringing out the fun in other people, too, that he's playing across. Yeah, and that's that's something that that other actors do have but it's hard it's hard to have that quality of making everyone else around you look good it's just yeah oh for sure so now i gotta ask the question i always ask in our first half which movie first uh i watched the mummy first Oh, I watched Blast from the Past first. I could go either way. Ooh, I could go either way. Let's should do Blast Swayze from the Past. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask, should we Chwayze for it? Um, no, oh, great. See. You know, Chwayze doesn't pay us, but they totally right. should. If we ever got a sponsor, I would love for it to be Chwayze. Are you indecisive? Yeah. Chwayze, do you never the- know where to go out to eat? The CEO of Chwayze should Chwayze for whether or not they sponsor (laughs) our podcast. I am for it. Please, somebody move it up the ladder. (laughs) 
Move um, it up the ladder. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I did feel you like say you picked. First? You picked Brendan Fraser, so I feel like we should do the rom com first. That way, you can give us a, a bit more of a bigger intro into like why, why Brendan Fraser, why not? Oh, okay, let's get let's get blasted. So to answer your question, why Brendan Fraser? Why now? Because we're in the middle of, I don't know if this is the middle. I don't know if this is the beginning or the end of the panini, as I like to playfully call it. Uh, But if ever there was a time that I wanted some form of security to remember when things were good, to laugh again and feel nice and have a good time. Brendan Fraser is the actor I think of. And then I have very fond memories of Blast from the Past because, first of all, it was one of those movies that used to be on TV all the time. Uh, And I would watch it with my mom a lot because she loved Blast from the Past uh, and of course, she kind of has prepper tendencies herself. So <laughs> I think she may relate a little bit to Christopher Walken. Uh, and and so I, I grew up watching that movie with family uh, and enjoying it. So I knew when I created this podcast that I would eventually want to get to Blast from the Past. And I thought about doing it way back in the beginning when we did, um, uh, what did we do? Was it Hostages or something like that? Because me and Sissy Spacek are basically hostages for 35 years in this bunker. Uh, But then I decided to do The Princess Bride because, I mean, ultimately, The Princess Bride is the most (laughs) beloved romantic comedy of all time. It beats every single other romantic comedy uh, or romance movie in general. Just it has that it massive appeal. It blows them appeal. all away. What do they say at the end of the movie? <laughs> the top that five. One, it blew that, them all that out of the water. That one kiss. Uh, yeah. So it's like it, it had to be done. But that's all to say that Blast from the Past was always on my mind, Elvis style. Uh, and I thought, you know, eventually I'd get to it. And then... We did Bedazzled, and that was so much fun. So I thought, yeah, we should do more Brendan Fraser movies. And then I brought it up, as well as The Mummy, which is pretty much the only Brendan Fraser movie that has real horror elements in it. And I would argue that right. it is a horror, and yeah. it's in it's in the tradition of monster movies. Yes, uh, I, would, I would argue that too. Yeah, for sure. just for the scarabs alone. Yeah. Uh, but... But I, I brought it up because I knew both of these movies are just so much fun and we were going to have a good time watching them. Yeah, I'm glad you did, because this is one where, you know, Sonya was like, what's the theme for the week or what are the movies for the week? And I told her, I said, The Mummy and Blast from the Past. And she was like, oh, Brendan Fraser, I want to watch both of them. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was one of the rare podcast themings where Sonya was like I'm gonna go out of my way to watch both of these movies with you yeah they're just that good yeah he's just that good and both movies have a sort of like past meets future element this is true they're both period movies in a way and both the ladies in the movie are named Eve 
the mummy is Evelyn. Oh my but god, Eve, I didn't Eve, even think about yeah. that. Another, uh, the Archie connection. Continues. Uh, you know, nobody's putting these pieces together <laughs> but us. I, I really think that we deserve some kind of prize, accolade, badge. You know, whatever anybody wants to give us, I'm my my arms are wide open. Uh, so yeah, let, let's go ahead. Let's get into the story. All righty. So we have got eccentric American scientist Doctor <laughs> Kelvin Weber. This is Christopher Walken. Obviously, so yeah, it's, it has to be Christopher Walken. <laughs> Um, he's, he's very convinced that there's going to be a nuclear war with the Soviet Union. It's going to happen any day now. So he has secretly been building a fallout shelter beneath his backyard. Uh, and this is in 1962, right? And so they're at a party. Sissy Spacek is trying to just be a normal 60s housewife. But, but, uh, once they get news that there's a Cuban Missile Crisis, Christopher Walken kicks them all out of the house and then takes his wife down to the bunker that he has built. And it is a fabulous bunker to his it credit. Is, it is a bat cave level <laughs> Batman, anything you could want bunker. Uh, the, the physics of how much space and time he took up to make this bunker are irrelevant because he did a great job. Um, but essentially, they're just going to go down for a few days just to hang out, right? Just until it all blows over. However, that's what he says. Oopsie doopsie, a little American fighter jet doing routine patrol, whatever, ends up having a malfunction. Fighter pilot has to uh, eject. The, the plane crashes right in his backyard, causing the thing to cave in. All of his sensors are going nuts. So he thinks that there has been a nuclear explosion he seals the timers we are now sealed in this thing for 35 years as you have that's that is the amount of time (laughs) that it's gonna take for the surface to be safe for them to go up again so and then like and of course she's pregnant and immediately she's giving birth but he is the, the, the funny thing is, he's just so happy this whole time. Like, he's he's cluelessly happy, especially to Sissy SpaceX feelings. But he's so happy because he thought of everything. And when I say uh, everything, I mean, I mean everything. He built an exact replica of their house down there. He's got shopping. Like, she legit has a shopping cart so she can go shopping for 35 years. He's got plants and and fish and wildlife yeah the fishery is insane yeah yeah does he have like hydroponic plants is that what was going on right and even when she's like i want a roof for this fake house that we're living in he's like all right i'll build you a roof he had extra supplies just in case he didn't have what she needed like he's just so happy but she is not she she is miserable she's locked down there and she really feels bad for the kid as their kid starts to age it becomes clear that one he's super smart two he's super polite and three he has 
he is going to have zero social skills. (laughs) Yeah, his only friends are his parents. And the only thing he knows about the world is 1962, right? So he likes Perry Como. He watches I Love Lucy and the Honeymooners. Uh, like he doesn't uh, like all he, his only frame of reference for the world is 1962. So he's kind of like a hot version of Peter Sellers character in being there. I've never seen being there. So I'll have to check that one out. You but, should. Um, it's a good movie. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, up above, we have a diner being built in 1965, which is like Mom's Mom's Soda Shop with the soda in its her. I loved that gimmick shop. with Joey Slotnick. <laughs> yeah, and so and this whole time. This guy is upstairs. He's working at his mom's shop, and then it goes to the disco era, and he gets obsessed with disco, and then it, and then he becomes like a hippie, and he gets all drugged out. So while Brendan Fraser is growing up to be a nice, polite young man, this guy is growing up to be a bum and a burnout, and the mom sells him the club. So now it essentially is like a '90s grunge rocker club, and this is going to come into play because. In 1997, when the thing opens up, Kelvin, the father, goes upstairs. He uses his elevator to go upstairs. And as he has predicted, everything has turned into a post-apocalyptic wasteland of irradiated mutants. Because <laughs> it's 1997. Because it's 1997 and he's in whatever, like, in the... in in When LA, were the Rodney... King riots was that like 1999 or 98 yeah somewhere around there but he's like he's got a junk shop where his house used to be there's people throwing up in the streets it's raining everyone looks like they're punk rockers uh a a lady of the night a sex worker approaches him and says that they could be male or female and he oh and he takes it literally literally (laughs) i love that so he goes downstairs and talks to helen his wife and uh their kid adam and he's like holy crap the world we need to stay down here and it's great However, he has a heart attack. Sissy Spacek is just so determined to go up to the top just to get out of the bunker. So what she does is she sends Adam, their son, up to venture into the the real world and bring back supplies and maybe bring back a lady because he really wants to meet a lady. That's like the one thing he really wants uh, is to meet a lady. And so then... We go upstairs and like this is just the rest of the movie is fun. You know what I mean? The rest of the movie is like roller coaster ride. Like we've got the setup. Now let's have some fun. Right. Yeah. We set him up as this fresh off the boat. Like he literally knows nothing about modern life. Right. And And it's hilarious. (laughs) And so uh, he goes to, he's got stocks that are worth a lot, which will come into play later. But his very first thing in trying to get money is he's going to sell some of his dad's baseball cards, 
Oh, which of we, course. Uh, can we talk go about ahead. some of the stuff he does in the beginning? Like yeah, when he looks it. up at the sky and oh, he yeah. literally <laughs> says, the sky. I've never seen anything mm. like it before. And he's being literal, but nobody realizes he's being literal. And so they all start looking at the sky too, because they don't understand what he's saying. And then he runs into a, a black right, They're woman. all jaded people who have grown up <laughs> taking the sky for granted. So when he's like, the sky, they're like, what? Is it something in the sky? He's like, no, it's the sky it's the <laughs> sky and yeah nobody nobody realizes that his like joy for life is very literal like he's never right. seen any of these things before and it's hilarious and then of course he runs into this black woman and because his only reference for life is 1962 he literally says oh my lucky stars a negro yeah. He's just so excited to meet someone who's a different yeah. color. And yeah, her, yeah, her reaction is is great too, where she's just like, uh, all right. Or I'll, or I'll let it pass this time. He, he goes like, to a grocery store, and of course, he's super freaked out by the grocery store. And he tries to go to the butcher and and like calculate how much it'll cost to buy all this meat that she's asked right. him to get and he says my mother only gave me 3000 for everything <laughs> yeah cuz inflation so like he thinks meat is just going to be like $5 for a whole year's worth but like no and he's really good at math. He did all that math in his head right away. But yeah, he's like, oh, wait. And then he's like, wait, I don't even know where I live. Do you know where I live? And then it's so <laughs> it's my first he... night away from home. <laughs> <laughs> when he politely excuses himself from the store clerk guy, the butcher guy. And the guy's like, yeah, go ahead. Take your time. Get out of here. But yeah, so he gets um, he gets lost and he doesn't yeah, he's lost. He gets on Poor the bus guy. and the guy on the bus who seems like a scary guy is more afraid of Brendan right. Fraser. The, the drug tweaker, <laughs> criminal, gun carrying, crazy guy is more afraid of him. But yes, continue. Is, yeah. So he has a bunch of rare baseball cards. Um, but yeah, one of the things he's going to do in order to to get money to pay for all the supplies he needs to keep living down in the safe place in the bunker and not in this crazy world up top is he's going to sell his baseball cards. So, of course, the guy at the shop takes immediate advantage of his innocence and naivete and is essentially going to sell him the the whole entire box for like two thousand dollars or something when really like one card alone is worth six thousand uh but the only thing that stops the store owner is eve which is alicia silverstone eve is working there this is essentially her middle finger to the guy her eye quit she she storms out of the place the guy kind of alludes to the fact that she's sort of like slutty and that's her reputation she can't hold down a job she can't hold the only reason why she even had that job to begin with was probably because she was dating the guy and she probably just moves from guy to guy and each guy she dates gives her a job so like whoa, she's whoa, very street whoa. smart i don't that's think she was dating the guy with the he had gray hair and a ponytail. I think that this was like a, a a friend set this job up for her. All right. I don't know. I, I got the impression that they her were. Her ex-boyfriend is Nathan Fillion. 
So that's true. That's I true. Mean, between Nathan Fillion and Brendan Fraser, clearly she has a type. That yeah, they they it was great to see Nathan Fillion's name pop up in the opening credits because immediately it was like, oh yeah, they're gonna play rivals in this. Um, of course. But she has this like street smart kind of sense about her where she moves from job to job and she's kind of in this desperate situation where she's she's kind of out of jobs to turn to. So Brendan Fraser very wisely decides to hire her to be his guide for the week or for the two weeks or however long it's going to take to get him all the supplies. So yeah, she's his real life guide. Right. Uh, and so then she, she drops him off at the hotel. This is where we get the thing about um, his first night being away from home, but then she decides to take him to her house. And this is where we meet Troy. Dave Foley. Oh, Dave Foley. Kids in what the hall. Pleasant surprise this was. I love him. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you know where this falls on the timeline of like the the trope of the gay best friend. Because I don't. Have yeah, a, he's a definitely a GBF for sure. But Dave Foley plays it so well, and they never make a thing out of it. Other like the only time they do is when she mentions he's gay at the beginning and Brendan Fraser, of course, being from the 60s, essentially, is like, oh, good for you. Like, oh, you're happy. That's good. But I love that. I love how they call back to it later when he says, thanks for always being happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just the way that Troy takes him under his wing, kind of, and like helps introduce him into the world and gives him the makeover. And is kind of like a mama bird to him in a way. Troy is nicer to him than Eve is because another thing that I really like about this movie is they invert the grumpy sunshine trope. Yes. So French Kiss, for example, classic grumpy sunshine dynamic. You've got sunshiny Meg Ryan with um, grumpy Kevin Klein. But this movie gives us grumpy Alicia Silverstone with sunshiny Brendan Fraser. Even though he's never seen the sun before, he's bringing so much light into their lives. Yes. I I specifically thought of that, too, when watching it. It was like, oh, this is grumpy sunshine. Yes, Um, you know the lingo. It's working. Um, And so I thought, and I did, I thought that that was a, a... a good kind of twist on it to make him and to make it like a spin on grumpy sunshine, which is sort of like jaded and innocent in a way. Um, But yeah, so we meet Nathan Fillion. Uh, When do we meet? Well, Oh, we meet him as he enters to meet Troy. So we get a little hint of like, her having someone in her life who just she just broke up with so she he's kind of like the fresh boyfriend the fresh ex um this is going to come into play later when eve is is doing a very good job of taking of um taking adam around and getting all the stuff he needs and there's plenty of antics and hijinks but one of the things that adam really wants is a girl preferably from pasadena (laughs) 
like his non-mutant non-mutant from pasadena and it has to be a wife like and it's just so funny just the interaction of her trying to get him someone but also it's very clear that she starts to develop feelings for him Mm. despite the fact that she doesn't want to admit it but we get this whole thing at this they very wisely take him to a 1940s swing style nightclub they knew where his antics would play the best but this actually brings up oh sorry go ahead no they played to his strong suit that's a very it was a very good choice oh yeah and then it's just it's so perfect uh because it feeds immediately into another great um romance trope which is the dating coach trope which is where i'm gonna teach you how to be good with women or be good with men and then almost always in this process, whoever the dating coach is falls for their student. And so, of course, it immediately starts happening as soon as they hit the club. And he is extremely <laughs> impressive. Right. Because first, uh, I mean, I wish I wish it was set up a little cooler. Like, honestly, I think I, is I really he a like Sakamoto. The- is Brendan Fraser a Sakamoto type or not? no but he's kind of like he would or like a in. drunken master like he, somebody he who's <laughs> a martial artist when they're asleep or drunk right he would fit in at a sakamoto um family reunion but he would also <laughs> he would he would be a joke amongst the sakamotos i feel um but we we don't really get that much insight into Eve's life. And I like that at the beginning because it does give her this edge of like our only frame of references into Eve's life is Eve. And clearly Eve is harder on herself than she needs to be. And it would be cool if we kind of like actually got a little bit more into Eve's life. Like the fact that she has a rival and this rival is named Sophie. Sophie. And Sophie swears. She, she says shit. And of course, because of hijinks and callbacks, we think that shit is French because part of my French. So Brendan Fraser, of course, speaks every language there is because he knows all the languages. He's had 35 years to study every language. So he starts speaking French with Sophie, who speaks very fluent french back with him and he just immediately infuriating (laughs) and because he's this this sexually starved man child any woman he meets it's not that he's like a dirty horn dog but he's just so happy to be talking to a woman but it's not even that he's just so handsome and and troy did such a good job making him look cool and nobody takes anything he's saying literally like when he when he tells those two girls that he took a dance lesson every day of his life they think he's just being facetious but he is telling the truth about everything right he's being genuine and they are they are it's I don't think they're really like making fun of him, but they're not taking no. him seriously. However, no, they don't. They don't. Be- yeah, they just think that he's just being sarcastic because right. that's they're how people in 1997 period. are. Yeah. yeah. 
And so we have this great dance sequence, which is I awesome loved it. I love the nineties loved a good dance sequence. Oh, even afterwards, like the next day after we watched this, Sonia was like, what was your favorite scene in that movie? I was like, you know what? The dance sequence. It was freaking great. Honestly, um, I really like it when he runs into the ocean. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> he's just so pure. Yeah. Or when he's just in the rain. <laughs> he's just <laughs> when he's a when he's a man child who's skating around this skate park but only at the <laughs> tables. <laughs> like by where his his quote unquote mom and dad are. Like even <laughs> Troy are watching him like parents and like go go skate over there where, where you should be skating. But um, yes, the dance sequence was incredible, and I especially like that he made it silly with the pointy finger move yes and i really like how they like again he's just got this goofy face on him that is funny but the they sealed the deal by cutting to a close-up slow motion of his <laughs> dumbass goofy grin dancing with his and fingers pointing up, his fingers in the yes. air. and then they cut back to her and she's like she's so no, like, angry kind of like him she's like i'm kind of angry at how much i like him right now because he is so charming but she thinks um, that he's tricked her like he's pretended right. to be all innocent and actually he's right. really good like she thinks that he's playing an angle uh right. and it's not she's an not angle by him right? yeah exactly she's too yeah, she's, she's too, too smart. smart for that she's too smart to fall for an angle but it's not an angle and therefore it's hilarious yeah um but then she decides to take it out on him which sucks because he doesn't even know he did anything wrong by hooking up with nathan fillion again and then there's a great scene where Nathan Fillion tries to to intimidate Brendan Fraser, who has also taken boxing lessons. So he's really good at fighting. And anytime Brendan Fraser or uh, Nathan Fillion even thinks to throw a punch, Brendan Fraser is immediately ready, arms up, fist out, boom. Just like a gentle tap in the nose, just enough to humiliate Nathan Fillion <laughs> rather than I do any real damage. I love that it's also very quick. Like they don't try to turn it into like a real cinematic fight. Right. Uh, they the, just the, the set piece was the dancing. Exactly. The set piece was the dancing. And so when it gets to the fighting, it's just a few bops <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but yeah, so she leaves with Nathan Fillion, right? Or she she leaves essentially he goes home with Sophie. Troy comes home alone and it tells Eve that she that he went home with Sophie. She so she's freaks. really sad and bummed out. Like, okay, even if she likes him, anyone but Sophie. You guys know what I'm talking about. Right. Anyone right. but Sophie. So then he ends up showing back up at her house and tells her that, like, you know. I just wasn't where I wanted to be. I want to be with you. So they share a really nice, sweet, intimate kiss. And oh, and I like the on the street where you live part, because I think that's yeah. a song in My Fair Lady, if I remember correctly. I don't know. But yeah, even when she was like, I love it. Yeah, I, it was so great when he asked her about the song and immediately her reaction was no, sing it to me. Because she knew that he would. 
You know what I mean? Like if anyone told I me to sing sing a song it. to them. No. If anyone told me though, sing a song to me, I'd be like, no, I can't sing. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But Brendan Fraser immediately, like he has no sense of shame. Like he he's good at dancing. He's good at fighting. Like even a quiet, intimate moment, like singing a love song to someone, he just dives headfirst into it. Uh, it's a great scene. Uh, but of course, that scene is ruined by the fact that he it's a it's a great scene. It's He's a, a great bunker moment. baby. He he <laughs> has to he I like that he initiates bringing up to her what he was going to tell her in the club before the whole Nathan Fillion guy. Interrupted. Right. He doesn't he doesn't withhold it. There's no noble idiot. Right. I also like that he doesn't hesitate when she asks if he's had sex before and he just goes, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he's such a pure virgin hero. He is. He admits to her that he was raised underground in a bunker. And essentially he's saying to her, you know, I'm not staying up here. I'm going back underground. You should come underground with me. My dad said I could bring a nice, healthy lady. You can come be here. So, um, yeah. Go underground with me. It is so horror movie, even though this is a charming romantic comedy. And I do like that they play kind of eerie thriller music when he right. starts to talk about the bunker because... It really does sound insane. It sounds crazy, especially with like how how sincere he is about it. Yeah, they call it out. They say it's Silence of the Lambsy. It is. Um, so then Adam leaves, returns to uh, Eve's house for a final goodbye. However, Eve has called Dr. Nina Aaron, who is a psychiatrist and is going to have him committed um and so initially adam's like yeah sure i'll go with you to be committed but then he bolts and he runs around <laughs> and it's just so funny uh another great brendan Fraser funny. physical moment right just uh, running around but then when he cut he like does a little loop around the block and the the poor guy who's charged with going to get him is no match for brendan Fraser's athleticism um, but I love, again, I love Troy and Adam are here because Adam says goodbye or Troy says goodbye to Adam and Adam says goodbye to Troy when he's being taken out. But then when he's driving away, Adam says goodbye to Troy, who says goodbye to Adam. So it's just like their little chemistry is so perfect. They're just, they had a great such good bros. Yeah. Um, and so then Eve starts to put together the fact that he actually is from 1962. When she goes and finds the toiletries, his toothpaste is from 62, all of his clothing. They see the stock certificates like IBM and all that stuff, which are worth millions upon millions of dollars. So her and Troy put together that like, you know, Troy's funny when he says it. he's like, actually, he's on the level. So now they got to go find him. And all this while, Adam is now on the clock because as he tells his parents, he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm being chased by a psychiatrist. Like, we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, all of the people at the elevator bar thing were... Oh, yeah, were... we didn't talk about the fact that there's an elevator cult. 
Right. There, there's this whole running gag of um, the guy, one of those that's guys, Joey Slotnick. He uh, he's he he raises this whole elevator cult uh, to the people underground. Brendan Fraser is essentially his god. And of course, it's funny when Brendan Fraser shows up and he's like, hey, things look pretty bad right now, but they'll get better and like completely <laughs> changes this guy's <laughs> life around. Um, but yeah, so Eve shows up, finds him at the last moment. They have a big scene. They they get together. Then they have the sort of wrap. We start wrapping things up. We're like, we start making things right for the family. You know what I mean? Like they turn in all their money and their stocks. They build the, they build mom and dad a brand new house, which looks just like their bunker house, which looks just like their original house. They need to be introduced to the modern world slowly. Slowly, Yeah. And even a, a little bit of a modern day, uh truth declining here when adam breaks it to his dad that like there was no bomb that was dropped and he's like yeah right like the ussr just gave up sure uh and he's like don't they tell did. your mom and so yeah it's it is a little horror element ish but it's just so fun it's so funny and i loved i absolutely loved the moment when Eve didn't have to, but she puts two plus two together and tells Helen that she's from Pasadena. And it just. I loved it, that too. It because was so it was such great. a great callback because she yeah. makes a face when he says he wants a girl from Pasadena. And right. she's like, why Pasadena? But then she's but then she from Pasadena. It. Yeah, but then she gets it and she knows how much it would mean to his mom who's from the 60s back when Pasadena was a thing and he knows how much he cares about like making his parents happy. So he knows that yeah, she ah it's just such a great moment when she says it. And um yeah, it just yeah, I we like wrap that callback too. Yeah, we wrap up on a happy ending. Everyone lives happily ever after. Um and of course we end on Christopher walking, walking, <laughs> measuring out, walking, walking out the uh, the new measurements of a new bomb shelter. Oh, is that what he was doing? Right. Yeah, he's in the backyard and he, he starts setting up the dimensions for a new bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> he's never going to stop. Right. He you can take the man stop. out of the bomb shelter, but you can't take the bomb shelter out of the man. Oh, yeah. So I got to ask the question, who would you kill from this movie? Because everybody's so precious. You don't want to kill any of them. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Is there anyone? I'm. There's got to be someone asshole in this someone who's got to die got to go got to go um i don't know i guess some of the some of the party goers at the beginning of the movie were like making fun of christopher walken for being crazy like dude he's a super smart guy and he's a genius inventor he's a genius and then there they are they're invited to his house and then the president of the United States comes on the television to say 
Cuba has missiles pointed at our country. And so then the genius inventor, who is very wary of this Cold War, sends everyone home. And as they're walking out of his party that they've been invited to, they go, what a nut job. You know what? Fuck you. I wish that they died in a nuclear blast. Like the like I the think president. That's fair. The president just came on. The president of the United States said, "Hey guys, we're in a tough spot right now. You know, keep your eyes out, open. You know." And then the guy's like, "Oh, this guy's crazy." Ah, uh, those guys. Okay, I think that's a good one. I I was thinking of mercy killing Sissy Spacek because when she finds out oh, that there yeah. was no nuclear holocaust, she's probably going to murder Christopher Walken. That's true. That although, you know what? I think that she would probably be okay with it because Brendan Fraser did turn out Adam, their son, turned out to be a good kid. He was a He's very a good, good boy. Kid. Yeah. And as I mentioned before uh, in in text, like, hey, Sissy Spacek is is mom to a man child, Adam, in Blast from the Past, and she's mom to man child, Hot Rod, in the hit movie, Hot Rod. Oh yeah, that's right. And I mentioned that if this was continuous with Carrie, then maybe Carrie White went from having a horrible childhood and a really bad mom. And then she decided to spoil all of her children who just happened to be boys. And so they became man children. Yeah. We have our own little Archie connection going on. Right. Yeah. In the Sissy Sissy Spacek cinematic universe. Right. Which is all one universe. Um, Yeah. So uh, what, what a good movie. Yeah, I think it is absolutely delightful. Would recommend. Yeah. So tell me, how was it turning this into a horror? Because we do have some horror things that are kind of baked into the plot. I'll admit that I feel like I took the easy way out uh, when it came to this. I came up with like a cool trailer and a really cool villain. But I don't know if I have like a good movie. Um, I found it really hard to actually sit down and focus on both of these remixes. But like I have the the beginnings of a cool idea. I kind of feel the same way. I have the beginning of a cool idea. I'm just going to say as far as excuses. I mean, it, it was the end of the year, the beginning of this one. I feel like my brain is still filled with all of the insulin and and carbs and sugars that I stuffed it with. So I don't right. think my brain works good right now. I think I I need to get back on. I don't know, a more healthy track that's less less of the, um, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I ate a lot of desserts. I ate a lot <laughs> of sugar, a lot of cookies the past few weeks, um, both medicated and unmedicated. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm going to say that that's why my brain don't work good right now. But yeah, I have the beginnings of an idea similarly. Very nice. Who should go first on this one? Um, I say, how about you go first? 
I'm going to have to embellish mine as I go along. Yeah, me too. Here we go. All right, let's do this. Uh, I've got my movie is called Organ Donor. Ooh, Organ Donor. I like it. Set in 1962. Ooh, period piece. I like it already. (laughs) Five scientists are developing a radiation soldier. Right. So imagine if you could send a soldier in to like assassinate a political leader, but imagine that soldier was irradiated. So, like, even if they failed their mission, there's still a radiation, a source of radiation. And you know what I mean? Like, what if you could send irradiated soldiers into battle? So, like, if Chernobyl was a person, right? Chernobyl man. Uh, However, their funding gets pulled at the last minute right before the big test. And so they they run out of funding. So the five scientists band together and they decide to, to do a, an off the books kind of test. And this is where like they do something bad. Like maybe they take a janitor and they push a janitor into the vat of irradiated acid stuff. Because it, it's in the name of science, guys. This is for God and for country. Uh, the commies cannot win. Uh, and so the guy ends up becoming this poor, goopy David Cronenberg skeleton thing. Uh, and then they end up having to essentially bury the bunker. Like they, they self implode the bunker. They self destruct it because it's like, no, this can't get out. We messed up. We flew too close to the sun. So they blew up. Nobody the can know. Right. They leave a radiated man down there. Um, Hoping then, no one can find him. Right. Cut to 1999. This is not our version of 1999. This is going to be a John Carpenter escape from New York cyberpunk esque future 1999. Okay. Where we have. Um, uh, some army scientists or whatever. Oh, like split is, second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the world is falling apart and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this scientist guy goes and he ends up digging up the bunker where these guys did the testing and he finds the super soldier who's now just like a skeleton but he makes a cyborg version of the skeleton. He adds cyborg parts because of course it's, he it's does. cyberpunk. And now the this cyborg. So brat. Right. The cyborg has to now essentially like the mummy go around and collect body parts. And he decides he's going to make it a mission of vengeance. He's going to go around and collect body parts from the people who did this to him. And the more he sucks their body part energy, the more his metal irradiated metal cyborg skeleton starts to fuse out with gross mutated flesh. Oh, so that's Akira all style. I really have. Yeah. So this is essentially going to be David Cronenberg meets the Terminator times Blade Runner with hints of V for Vendetta. Where like this guy is just this super guy who like everything's coming up Millhouse only in terms of revenge. Like, you know, All everything right. goes really well for V and V for Vendetta, except for the fact that, you know, his whole life was destroyed. But after that, his evil genius plan comes together Is Vendetta? extremely well. Yeah. Um, so I just have like 
you know, maybe there's a doctor and he pretends to be a patient and then like, you know, he sucks the energy force out of him. I'm thinking there's a lawyer guy who uses his tongue. And then once our hero or once our villain sucks the energy out of the lawyer, he's gifted with sort of like a silver tongue kind of thing. So he becomes more like, yeah, very fives. Also, Theater of Blood is another um vincent price movie that's essentially the same thing as fives it's just vincent price getting revenge for 90 minutes that's Um, a good way to spend 90 minutes right and so then maybe there's like a chef guy one of the one of the scientists grew up to be a chef or went on to be a chef and so after our our villain sucks his radiation organ energy he's able to like grow body parts quicker because he can like ingest stuff quicker and grow quicker lastly we've got this athlete person who he steals their like lungs from and then he's able to do like super soldier stuff he's able to actually like run fast jump high because at first he's a little clunky he's like a terminator like a little wobbly yeah he levels up so lastly we have um the heart he's gonna go for a heart to try to become as human as possible now and so the last guy he's got to kill went on to become a detective. So I didn't write any of this guy's stuff down, but all the while, while our villain is going around killing people, the detective guy is figuring stuff out. So because this is cyberpunk, we're going to have like a corporation and all that other good stuff. The detective lures the guy up to the top of the mega corporation tower And then he ends up knocking him off the roof or shooting him out the window. And then the villain will fall all the way down to the ground. And because he's he's mostly radiation, when he falls to the ground, he blows up and then the tower collapses in on itself. So our hero dies along with the villain. But it's all worth it because in the end the cyberpunk evil corporation technology that resurrected this villain is also going down with it. So yeah, it's called Oregon donor. Um, and it's about, it's essentially the mummy only with cold war stuff instead of Egyptian stuff. I like it. So does this mean that, uh, Brendan Fraser would play Chernobyl man, or would it be uh, the mummy actor, Arnold Veloso, I think his name is. I don't know. Vasilu. He's a South African actor. Yeah, let's give, I don't know if Brendan Fraser, I I know that he's in a few drama movies, but let's give him some... um, Let's give him a villain role, right? Everyone some likes dramatic. Arnold Vosloo's already played a villain, right? Right. He's been there, done that. Let's let's yeah. let Brendan. Let's go, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I only so say that great. because I want to make fun of those people. Right. I, it's it's so. Great. I have no support for <laughs> that other phrase that we're making fun of. But let's go, Brendan. You know, totally. Let's go, Brendan Fraser. A hundred percent. There's no double meaning there. <laughs> That's a let's go. I can get behind. <laughs> so, uh, um, how about you? I'm I'm very curious to know what 
So similarly, this is the beginning of an idea, and I'm going to embellish it as we go along. But I decided to call my movie Finger Blast because I'm extremely un... I'm just immature. I'm just a very immature person. And I don't even think that finger blasting is something that happens in this movie. I definitely didn't write it in. Maybe we'll find a way to reference it. But I wanted to... I wanted to have blast in the title, but I also wanted was... it to be extreme. <laughs> and that was the one I thought of. So naturally, yeah. finger blast. You know, you might want to listen to some of our other episodes of Necromancer Podcast where you have specifically said that not always the first idea is the best idea. I don't know. I think finger <laughs> blast is a great title. Way in. Well, Way yeah, in I mean, audience. I I want I want to I want a deep horror movie. <laughs> I want a deep so. discussion. Oh yeah, the last period. The last period. I still think about that one. It's a great one. Oh, uh, what about the the Karen ghost movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. It wasn't. It was that white lady. Was the name of right. that movie. <laughs> But yeah, I've got all sorts of gems. You never know. Finger Blast may be another one that you remember forever. So I'm going to keep the basic premise that Adam Weber has lived for 35 years in a fallout shelter with his parents. But let's add in a psycho twist and say that then both of his parents die and he continues to live with them for another 10 years. So maybe Ooh. he preserves them Norman Bates style. So right. yeah, uh, Adam Wember at 35 still has some purity left. If he'd gone the way of blast from the past, he would have been a normal person. But instead, he spent another decade in the fallout shelter uh, and, you know, talked to his dead parents. So now he's he's a different sort of man than he would have been. And it's also a different time. It's um, 2007. Uh, so it's a grittier time, a right. more finger blasty time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is this movie directed by Kevin Smith? Uh, uh, no, David Fincher. Uh, okay. <laughs> but... Adam is disgusted with the decline of humanity now that he has gone to the surface and he has nothing to temper those ideas. So he's he's got some Norman Bates energy mixed with the taxi driver, yeah. uh, Travis Bickle. And now he just wants to find a wife, a nice, pure wife. But he doesn't know anything about the world. So his first quote unquote wife is a street walker that he brings down to the shelter. Of course, because this is a horror movie, everyone is going down into that shelter to die. Uh, right. And can we get a he... Frankenhooker cameo for our street walker? Oh yeah. <laughs> got it. Got a stem. <laughs> Jersey boy. <laughs> Jersey boy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, so the the sex worker goes down. He realizes that they're trans. And so he kills her. 
he kills anyone that deviates from his idea of what's normal and his whole reference for what's normal is 1962 or this like warped version of 1962 that he's heard about let's put it this way if you can't get a job working at walt disney world then brendan fraser is gonna kill you you know walt disney world is only natural hair colors, no piercings other than for ladies and only one on the ear, no tattoos, no, like, you know, if you work at Disney, you've got to be, you've got to be 1962. You, yeah, you got to right. be, you got to be 1962 proof. So he hasn't yet found his Disney princess. Uh, and then so we get two more kills with the dancers who he kills because he finds out they're bisexual. Call oh, back yeah. to Frankenhooker. That's not natural. <laughs> 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 this goes against nature. Ah! Uh, and so he kills them. And then we get to our final girl, Eve. And in this version... Uh, I'd like to say that Troy is still very much a part of the movie, but because it's 2007, Troy has a murder podcast. So Troy is is a guy who independently enjoys investigating true crimes. So when Adam takes Eve down to the basement, Troy uses this as the premise of his new podcast. So the B plot mm. of the movie, while Adam and Eve, which we'll get to them, while Adam and Eve are doing their thing, the B plot is Troy trying to find where Eve was taken and going through the investigation to find Adam and his version, what he thinks events are and what actually happens are totally different so eve is taken by adam and she is a disney wife she actually has no faults but this is annoying because adam when things are really said and done kind of just likes killing people and right. so this, this whole routine of bringing a quote-unquote wife down to the fallout shelter and being like, ah, you burned the casserole, you gotta die. Uh, it's just that he enjoys that more mm-hmm. than, uh, he enjoys the, the chase, the pursuit more than the goal. And so when Eve perfectly fulfills this goal, which us, the audience, would think it's kind of weird that this woman is all in on this, you know, fallout shelter, 1960s housewife um, role play, but she totally is. So we realize that we're actually in a cat versus cat situation where Eve is just as nutty as Adam is. Adam is about to find out that truly... That that Adam is about to find out that being happily married isn't all it's cracked up to be. Am I right? Uh, you're right. Eh? Yeah. Eh? So, I mean, things keep happening. Like, I think because of Adam's twisted logic, Eve has to do something wrong in order for him right. to get to kill her. And he's then, on the eye. He's looking out for it. He's and trying he's looking to out. Find he's, yeah. he, or he's trying to even even manufacture mistakes. But like, like set her up good. for mistake. She's too good. 
And then it like becomes it. it becomes a thing where he becomes a prisoner in his own fallout shelter. Like right. maybe Eve finds his parents and invites them to dinner and he's like no you can't you can't touch my things how dare you touch my my parents how dare you touch my things and maybe she traps him in his own house and meanwhile troy is getting closer and closer but in his version in in his idea of events he thinks that eve is the victim that she's being trapped underground and so we get to the climax of the movie which I thought that it would be really funny if Eve decided to ultimately kill Adam because he's not a good husband. Like maybe at the end of the day, she decides that he, because he doesn't fit her ideal for a husband, needs to die. So he gets a taste of his own medicine. But then she cooks Adam's ribs. Ah, 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 ah. Slow cooks Adam's ribs serves them up maybe like right when troy and the cops find the fallout shelter like he's like oh the the adult bookstore she's nearby i know she's here (laughs) and it's like the whole like he's like oh my god we're gonna get to the truth maybe it's like a live podcast and he's got like someone with recording equipment with him and they get down to the shelter and then she set the table of course and she says dinner is served the end boom and then the door closes oh (laughs) that would be good i like the i like the addition of the door closing yeah (laughs) that was good i like that yeah I, i did not did not see that twist coming good twist i mean you know how much we love a good cat on cat that's true yeah 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 you think you got a little mouse, <laughs> but it's not so. Well, that is all for today. Before we get into our love bites, just want to remind you folks that you should subscribe to us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow us on social media at Necromancer Pod, as well as, you know, if you feel like it, you can reach out to us at email at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week? Well, I would like to recommend a very interesting double feature if you're up for it. Ooh. There's a movie called 13 Ghosts. Do you remember 13 Ghosts? I do remember 2001. 13 Ghosts. Yeah, it's got Tony Shalhoub in it, and he plays a guy who gets a house from his And Matthew Willard. Yeah, and then when he goes to the house, it's haunted with 13 ghosts, and Matthew Lillard plays the, the guy who's like, like, we gotta get out of here. He's the guy who knows mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and there's ghost a- glasses. I like that the movie has yeah, ghost yeah. glasses. There's ghost glasses, so you can only see the ghosts if you're wearing the glasses. And it's kind of like Cube in the sense that they're all trapped in this house and the house is moving. So doors are closing and passageways are opening based on the thing. And it's all this grand secret society. It's all for this one night, whatever. But um, it's a really fun, silly, cheesy movie. I think 
like I watched it with Sonia and she had it's not her kind of movie, but it's so silly that she enjoyed it. However, it reminded me of a movie that I saw that I really liked, which is a Netflix original movie that I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who's ever seen it. It's called Spectral and it's got um, I have not seen it either. It's got James Badge Dale in it, and he plays a guy who goes into it. He's a scientist and a creator, and he goes into a war zone because one of his super glasses picks something up on the military thing. And so by using the glasses, they're able to pick up a certain kind of energy field. And it turns out the only real explanation for what's going on in this war zone that keeps killing off these elite U.S. soldiers is ghosts. And the movie is freaking crazy because it is like it is, but it isn't. This movie is essentially ghosts versus soldiers. And they do a really Very awesome ghosts job. Of Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do an awesome job of like build up and then having five things escalate at once and then build up and then having five things escalate at once. And then by the time you get to the end of the movie and it's like a full on army assault on a ghost base, like it's freaking nuts. So if you want to watch a really cool using your glasses to see ghosts double feature, uh, start off with a nice little appetizer of 13 ghosts and then jump into that deep dish. It's a deep dish Chicago deep dish. Uh, It's a really good movie. I don't again. I mean, it came out years ago, but it was it was right when Netflix was like starting to buy other movies to be like, if we just bought them, would you watch them? Because no one else has them. And people were like, I don't know. I guess so. And now that Netflix is making its own movies, it's kind of like it. It puts more advertising into the movies it makes instead of buys. But it's a nuts, it's a nutso movie, and it's really cool. Spectral, thirteen ghosts and spectral. That's what I feature. Yeah. How about you? What's your love bite? So you know how I love to stick to a theme. So it's going to be a Brendan Fraser movie, and it's one that you already mentioned, which is Airheads. I highly recommend that people watch airheads if you haven't seen it it's basically a long snl sketch about a band that really wants their song played on the radio it's adam sandler steve buscemi and uh brendan fraser obviously this is also a landmark movie for men in crop tops which is kind of (laughs) making a comeback but if you're into like i don't know ripped dudes and crop tops it's a really good movie for that. Uh, I know that that's not a genre per se. It should be. Right. Uh, but yeah, they're a band that really wants their song played on the radio. And so they hold the radio station hostage. But it kind of, I feel like it. they accidentally hold them hostage. Like that's right. not what they mean to do, but then that's what ends up happening and yeah, it's just a, a fun little movie, fun, goofy little. Is it like an 80s movie or is it early, early 90s? 
Yeah, I think it, it's got to be early 90s. Yeah. yeah, crop tops, early 90s. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go watch Airheads if you want to fill out uh, Brendan Fazer's oeuvre, as I like to call it. Oeuvre. Um, it's a fun word to say, even though I'm probably <laughs> saying it wrong. And, yeah, that was another movie that was on TV, Comedy Central, all oh constantly constantly yeah it's a good pick good movie all right well that's all for today folks what do you think big daddy mars thinks of brendan fraser brett i think if you ask big daddy mars what his opinion on brendan fraser would be he would say you know He's a really swell guy. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.